Yeah. Well, now I see what you're saying. <laughs> All right. With that, let's say amen and we'll be dismissed. <laughs> Praise God. Well, yeah, it's a special day today. The Lord's good. Besides that, I'm kind of excited about dinner. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a fun time. Amen. Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, let the words of the Eternal Father come and touch our hearts today. Let us hear eternal truth. Let us hear the Holy Spirit. Let your word discern in our heart, between our soul and our spirit. That your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. I've got a few things to start with before I get started. A <laughs> um, couple of things, <laughs> now that I can see what I'm saying. Wow. Yeah, that's a good one. That should be on YouTube or something. <clears throat> I just as a, a, just as a testimony in, by faith, I just want to thank God. God's been exceptionally kind to me, you know, and many times we just don't realize the kindness of God. We should have it a whole lot worse. We really should be in hell. Everything we should touch, everything we d touch should just be going crazy. But it's the grace of God through the Lord Jesus Christ that His kindness is shed abroad in our lives. So I just would like to testify of that. doesn't mean I always walk in it. But our, our preaching should be further than our experience. Because we're not preaching experience. We're preaching Jesus. And sometimes that's where we get caught up. Because the devil brings experience to us or one another. And we say, well, you know, you know. Well, we're not preaching experience. We're preaching Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It has nothing to do with my experience. Salvation isn't an experience. It's the truth of God kept by the Holy Spirit by the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're, we have to preach truth. And that's why it's through the foolishness of preaching. Because it's not through experience. Experience may dictate something else. Life may dictate something else. Our emotions may dictate something else. But it's good to testify and it's good to preach about the truth of God, which you may not be walking in. But again, it wouldn't be up to you because salvation is God's plan. It's not your plan. And it's His purpose not our purpose. And that's what we talked about in 2 Corinthians, that Jesus Christ became sin, that we might be the righteousness of God. So the work, Jesus said on the cross, the work is finished. The work that He had to do was, was finished. And He sanctified us through His own self. He sanctified us through His Word. He sanctified us through His blood. He redeemed us through the resurrection from the dead. And so now, how many people here would be able to, would be able to prove that you're righteous? by your experiences and how you walk. Anybody here? Well, you're qualified then. See, we're preaching the uncomfortable gospel. The gospel that can't have a sign. Can't be proven. But it's accepted by faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, for those that are righteous this morning, washed by the blood, let us move on. Let us move on. Not in righteousness, but in walking with Him. So, I would like to just testify of the, the grace of God and the kindness of God. And then as I, I, was, I began to think about something, and it, it kind of it was very strange to me. I really didn't want to say it because it really is going to upset a lot of our, our thinking. And I don't, I don't know, what it, you know how it came into my, my brain. But then as I looked through the Scripture and I thought about it, it seemed to be more true than just what I thought. You know, I, and for some reason, I, I don't know, the, the, the Cinderella story came into my mind. And when, when, I was, when, I, when we were raising children, we didn't, we didn't read our children fairy tales or Cinderella stories because they're a bunch of lies, actually. <laughs> but, but, they, but see, that actually, comes against, that actually comes against the real ooey-gooey feeling in us. And as you know, you're going through life and you're going through things, I began to think you know, how the world, the system of this world, the manna of this world, the cosmos... The whole world lies in the lap of the enemy, the wicked one. It's under his control. There's such an emphasis on seeking your own life, following your dreams. As a matter of fact, one of, the, one of my, well, a song that I really like is 
to dream the impossible dream. I don't know all the story, but it's you know it's a powerful one. And that you know that that warped my life. <clears throat> but what I what I want to say and let it let it hit let it hit home. I don't believe we're supposed to follow our dreams. Oh wait a minute! I was always taught. Yes, I know. I thought you had to be you know what you wanted to be. You can't help but you know. And and we find this being taken to many extremes in the world, but we find it also happen. Well, it's in my heart. Well, that may be good. But really, anybody in the Scripture that I see, that I, I see that God uses as an example, there was many others. There was many others that serve God that are not included in the Bible. Even the things that Jesus did, they said even if we were going to write all of them, the very books of the world could not contain them. But specifically, God chooses these stories to show us a pattern of who He is and how we ought to believe, walk, and think and begin to channel our thinking according to the pattern. So again, you know, we think, well, I just have it in my heart. I've always wanted to. I just felt like, you know, I wanted to be. Now, I remember, and again, someone, again, my life kind of goes, I, 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 it's very difficult for me because I am experience-oriented. But the life of God is not experience-oriented. I learn a lot by seeing and hearing at the same time. And, and, and putting things together. But as a matter of fact, Micah asked me, we were singing some Al Jolson songs, and he asked me, let's sing Hallelujah, I'm a Bum Again. And I said, no, we're not going to sing that. I mean, I wasn't in a bad attitude. But I began, again, that just started the domino process. I'm just um, confessing this morning. Going way back, probably nearly 45 years, I was in Sunday school in the Armenian Apostolic Church. And I remember this to this day. And we were supposed to write a story of what we wanted to be when we grew up. And, you know, firemen, policemen, all these wonderful things. And I wrote, I wanted to be a hobo. Yeah. It's what I, it was my dream. It's what I always wanted to be. And I remember I, it, it didn't go over well. I mean, particularly at that time, I, you know, I had to write something. Anyway, I followed my dream. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so that kind of came to me, you know, wow, that was, a, that was kind of a weird thing to write, and they kind of said, you don't really want to be a hobo in this, any other thing, and I showed them I do wanted to be a hobo. But anyway, it's not for us to follow our dreams. And again, this is something I have to continually tear down in my life because it's the emphasis of the world is continually saying, well, you believe these things. You want to do these things. Why would it be in your heart if God didn't have it for you? How many people ever had that one? It's in my heart. Well, the Bible lets me know clearly what is in my heart. Does anybody know what it is? What? Yes. It's wicked. The heart is so wicked, Jesus had to die for you. So to say, well, it was in my heart. That should be enough to say I need to repent. Now, I don't think Joseph's life ambition, he didn't grow up and say, you know what I want to do when I grow up? I'd like my brothers to be jealous of me and hate me, sell me into slavery, and then I'm going to go into prison and be totally broke. Nobody thinks that way. He had to give up his dream. He had another dream. Paul. Peter, would your life ambition be to be crucified for the Lord? Would your life ambition be to be the runoff and the off-scouring of the world? No. He had to put down, that's why Jesus said, we must hate our life. Peter, you're a nice boy. You've got a good fishing business here. What are you doing? That's why he said you have to hate father, mother, brother, all those things that are supporting that natural idea that says, oh, this is... I mean, look at me. I, I, I'm gifted in this way. Well, Noah. What was Noah's dream? What was Abraham's dream? What was David's dream? What was the apostles' dream? What was Timothy's dream? Our dream, we should follow a dream. A vision, if you would. But it must be His purpose and His vision. And I'll tell you for sure that our vision and our purpose are contrary to God's purpose almost continually. Amen. And unless I am continually denying myself, rejecting those things, uh, putting those things aside, my dreams always take over. Yeah. One of the, and I, 
the, one of the greatest dangers or one of the greatest enemies that we have is the cares of this life. They just wear us down. I mean, we've got all these stuff to deal with, and pretty soon the cares of this life can wear us down. That's what Jesus said, be careful, because the cares of this life can overtake you, and pretty soon you become unfruitful. You might actually accomplish some of your dreams. Nebuchadnezzar accomplished all his dreams. And he actually said, look at me. All this have I done. And he was so proud. It took him seven years to come to repentance. You think, wow, how how could it take so long? I'm so glad it took so short. I mean, he's out there like an animal. He said, I mean, we've got to put this guy away. We can't even have him around people. And he's just matted down. He's Rastafarian. <laughs> I'm glad. And it find the, the the statement says it doesn't say that God restored him. God showed him. He finally decided to break. And he came to himself and said, This is really dumb. What am I doing here? I'm going to get on with God's dream. So be aware that a lot of things come up that seem right. There's a way that seems right. Why would I... I I looked at my life. I thought I was created to be a hobo. I had all these signs. Well, I was deceived. You know, and again, like I said, thank God that we're not... that He's saved us from our own life. So be aware of following your own dreams. Be aware of fulfilling your life. That's the sin. That's the sin that really comes into the world. Jesus, what was His dream? What was His mother's dream? Do you think his mother's dream was, I think I'd like my son to be hated of all men? I'd like to see him brutally beaten before my eyes and my heart torn out? That wasn't her dream. God had a purpose. She had to put her dream aside to have God's vision fulfilled in our life. And it's the cares of this life that can wear us down to wanting just to live a a survival vision. A vision that's just all about me. Jesus could have done many wonderful things. He could have been here on this earth for many, many more years, healing, doing wonderful things, missing God's purpose entirely. And this is what we want to begin to look at in a greater and greater way is now that God has created us, recreated us, righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ, you have been taken from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. Now that we are righteous... Adam, what would you like to do? Would you like to eat of that tree and follow your dream? Or would you like to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me? Now, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Ray read this, but I think it's important to read it again. Verse 9. For we are laborers together with God. We are God's husbandry. We are God's building. God is the creator. There's things that God does that we can't do. And there's things that God does that He doesn't want us to do. And there's things that God won't do that He wants us to do. Now, God, we are God's... We're God's field. We're God's field. That's what husbandry means, you, you know, the, the garden. We're God's building. But it also is we're laborers together with God. Now, God creates the field. See, Adam was not able to create the Garden of Eden. God creates the field and says, Now, Adam, you have a work to do in that field. We now are God's field, God's building but we're also the workers together with Him. And many times what happens in our lives is we, we want God to do what He's asked us to do, and we would like to do what God does. And God says, nope, this is, this is the way it is. So we first realize that God is, we are God's field, and we're laborers together. And then, so it says, according to the grace of God which is given unto me, a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation, and other men builds thereon. Let every man take heed how he builds thereon. Now, we are to be builders in this field or in this building, workers 
in the field that God created. Now, God's created us. God's created the church. And he's put us in there to be co-laborers with him, yoking together, working with the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, what does it mean to labor? See, now again, we can get caught up in laboring for ourselves. But in order to come to God, there, ha- there is, it just, in, this, in this age, which is going to be the rest of this age until the Lord comes back, I'm not sure how it's going to be, but there's always sacrifice. Sacrifice is the laying down of our lives. So here it's like, okay, in order for me to work with God, what is it that God has for me? Now let's turn to Hebrews chapter 4. The work that, that we're to do Hebrews chapter 4. Now the exhortation here is a very strong, uh, almost like a reproof. It's a warning to us that we should fear lest the promise being left us of entering into His rest, we would fall short. Now why? I want to, we're going to look at where it is. Many times it's like when, when the Scripture uses draw back, falling short, turning away from the Lord. We immediately say, well, I don't do those things. But if we begin to look at the contents of how, context of how those are used in the Scripture, I see very clearly that I almost do that continually and actually think I may be serving God in doing those things. Now, so the exhortation is to beware, lest, again, I'm going to couple it to the cares of this life and following your own life instead of saying, Lord, you are the Creator. You have placed me as you see fit Peter talks about living stones. Now, a living stone. There you are. God says, I am the the master builder. Now, stone, this is where you should be. And now, most of our problem is we don't want to be there. Well, I want to be there, and I don't see why, and I have this idea. But we must allow God's dream, God's vision, to become my dream. And that will take sacrifice. Joseph had to sacrifice his life in order for God's vision to consume him. Moses had to sacrifice his life, his dreams, his vision, in order for God's vision to consume him. Paul, Peter, the apostles, everyone had to say, no, this is, I choose to put that down. I'm not living the happily ever after life. I am here, I'm called as a soldier. Now, again, the same, the same admonishment is given to Timothy. Timothy, be careful not to get caught up in the things of this world. But be a soldier. Know that there's going to be hard times come against you. Endure hardness. See, now, well, you know, I don't know. And I don't. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And verse 9. There remains, therefore, a rest to the people of God. For he that has, the, he that has entered into the rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from His. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into the rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing of sunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow and the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. There remains a rest. Now, I think Aaron shared it this morning. Those that hide in the how would you say that? In the, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High hides under the shadow of his wing. See, and what we're talking about, there remains, there's a labor. Then what is our labor? Our labor is to cease from our own works, to cease from your own ambitions, to cease from your own reputation, to cease from your own dreams, and labor to enter into the rest, lest any man fall by the same example of unbelief. What is unbelief? See, again, we think unbelief is kind of like this void. It's not. It is a strong belief in something other than what God is directing you to do. See, now, and what we need to see is, it's, this is where the children of Israel draw back. This is where the work falls apart. This is where the building ceases to be built. This is where the disciples turn back. It's not, it's not in the part that God has done. It's in the part that God has given us to do. Adam doesn't fall from God's grace and fall into sin by something God did. It was, God, Adam fall, fell 
because of the work that God gave Adam to do, and he chose not to do that work. He chose to do his own work. And whenever we do our own work, we haven't entered into the rest of God. We no longer see the glory of God. We're not used of God. We have drawn back. We're drawn back into what? Drawn back into our own life, into my own vision. It's a 5,000. They didn't say, man, it's God. They just said, we will not hear what he's saying. This is not... And they said, let us do the work. Remember they said, give us, let us do the work. He began to tell them what work, the work that we have to do is exercise faith and to cease from your own works. Yeah, but I don't understand. I see it. We draw back not so much from the righteous part that God has created as God the Creator. We draw away as from a friend and a relationship and a builder in His kingdom. We choose not to exercise faith. When Adam sinned, the relationship with Adam and Adam was not cut off completely. It was different, totally changed. But even after sin, Adam would come and God would come and say, Adam, where are you? He would they'd have that understanding. But his life was caught up in the cares of this life. He was caught up in his own dreams, had missed the glory of God. Was, and soon we see the whole creation go down a path that leads us to today. And so then it, 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 it couples this idea of laboring to enter into the rest. The rest is ceasing from your own works. The, yeah, but I have a dream and I've been called and I know. Lay it aside. I have a greater purpose. Ah! The work is to believe. The work is to believe. Joseph, the work is to believe. Gideon, and how are we supposed to discern those thoughts? Well, we have the Word of God. And the Word of God comes and pierces between our soul and our spirit. That's why we need to be a workman that needs not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the Word of God. And saying, God... Now, I can only understand God's Word if it's also uniquely linked to His purpose. See, otherwise it's open to private interpretation. So the Word then directs me, and if I'm building according to His Word then it will divide in me. I will allow the Holy Spirit to divide in me and will bring me into a rest. And the rest would be what? Not retirement. Not happily ever after. It would be taking on His labor and His purpose. And those two things sometimes are very different. Because what I would think rest is and what I think my life should be may be totally different. Peter thought he should go back fishing. Jesus said, I have something else for you. Drop your nets once again. So, we need not to grow weary in the service of faith. And we're going to see that the children of Israel, when did they draw back? What, where did God say that I'm displeased with this generation? in the wilderness when they were not doing the work that God called them to do. They murmured against what God was wanting them to do or what God had sent to them. And many times we just draw back because we just have another dream. We have another purpose. We have another plan in my life than what God has. And these two, that's why Jesus says, let your eye be single. No man can serve two masters. You're going to have to continually come back to laying down. You don't lay down your life once. It's a daily, as Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me. There's going to come up things continually that will come against the Word of God and the Word of God will say, no, I am unchangeable. I am true. You should match up to what I'm saying. If you love me, deny yourself. But they withdraw back from working with Him. We draw back from taking the yoke. We draw back from letting this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. And this takes place in our lives because we really draw back from what Acts chapter 2 says. When, when Peter gets up to preach on the day of Pentecost, he makes a statement. He said, This Jesus whom you have crucified, God has made him both Lord and Christ. 
Many times we just draw back from him being Lord. I don't want to eat manna. We want some meat. I don't want to be out here in the desert. I don't want to be in this church. I have dreams. I have things I want to do. I don't know why. I don't know. Is he Lord and Christ? And it said when they heard that, they were pricked to the heart. And again, they let the word of God discern. If he's Lord, then let him be Lord of all. Direct me, Jesus. I now want to please you that's called me to be a soldier. And I realize in this life there is a great purpose, and our purpose is to glorify God. And in this world there is tribulation, there's a warfare that we are to fight in a, on a daily basis. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but the instructions are clear. I must deny myself and put my dreams aside to let God be glorified in my life. And that, see, what did Jesus put everything, he said, he laid it all aside and became obedient even to the point, humbled himself. He knows more than Pilate. He knows more than those Pharisees. He knows more. He knows more. He has a right. Meaningless. I set the example because I'm with, I love my father and his purpose I see as exalted and the only real purpose. Every other purpose that I have would only be against that purpose and take away from that purpose. Now, if we don't understand that, then all through these, this thing we call life, now God has his hand on it, and he's, he's, he's designing it perfectly. Now, I'm gonna, let's just read a couple bef before I get now. Uh, I want to get to Noah again. But 1 Timothy. Now, we're talking about the Word of God. Now, many people like to just say, well, the Bible, you know, I believe the Bible. Well, I only believe the Bible if I am understanding what it's saying and doing what it says. Oh, rightly dividing the word of truth. Well, what is it instructing me to do? Well, it's instructing me in righteousness. It's instructing me how to walk. It's instructing me on how to build. It's instructing on me how to work in God's field. Now, 1 Timothy chapter 3. I want us to look at what God is doing and how I am to be a worker with God, not a retired person with God, not someone who is washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, but not having Him Lord. Not at one that is doing his own dreams. Then when he comes and says, Lord, we've done all this in your name, he says, I don't know you. Not a person that is not familiar with sacrifice or suffering. Not a person that is wishy-washy in his decision about Christ and what God is doing. Paul said, I have not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. That point, he's already been beaten and all kinds of things have happened to him. Didn't deter him. He put aside his dreams. Oh, he could have been the head of the Sanhedrin. He could have opened up a wonderful church here. He could have said, if I just backed off a little bit, I could preach a great thing and I'd start a wonderful church. Matter of fact, I don't even need to be here. I could be home with the Lord. All my dreams, I count everything worthless except for the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, have your way in me. He's a kind, wonderful God. But we don't understand. Well, we understand His ways, but the natural man doesn't like His ways because we realize to love God, I must die. For those who are about to die, salute you. And every day it's going to come up. You're going to have a choice. And it's just going to be so easy. Wouldn't it just be so easy to sleep with your master's wife? No one's going to know your life would be better. Wouldn't it be so easy you wouldn't have to do anything, Moses, because God actually saved you out of the river. He was the Lord. He was Savior when He saved you out of the river. I love that God. Now I want to be Lord of your life. Deny Pharaoh's house. Ah, God brought me here. I like it. I like it. I don't want to give this up. And he made a conscious choice. He said, wait a minute. There's only one purpose. Now, he did not do it perfectly. That's not, that's not what God is asking for. He's asking for the sacrifice. If, he is, if He's Lord of all, if He's both Lord and Christ, and if what we're preaching is the gospel truth, that there is only one God and there is really a warfare, then we, we need to be really serious about sacrifice and serving Him because that's the way my love is shown to Him and that's the way I know Him. Uh, verse 15 of chapter 3, but if I tarry long, I want you to know 
how you ought to behave yourself in the house of God. Now, whose house is that? God's house. And, and what? who is God's house? We already read that in chapter 3 of uh, 1. We are God's house. So how? Now, what is he saying here? Now, I'm going to tell you how you need to be sanctified. That's God's work. You're not supposed to do God's work. If you try to interfere and move into the threshold of God's work, that's like Satan. I will be like God. Well, I'm sanctified. That's God's work. It's a complete work. Keep your hands off of it. But there is a work, Adam, that I'd like you to do. See, Adam didn't get up the next morning and say, wow, this is a great world, but I'll show God. I'm going to make a better one. No. He realized this is what God had. This is what I do. Okay? Many times we look out, only bad things, we only began to see bad things when we sinned. Never was there a bad thing seen or understood until we ate of the tree of the knowledge of now good and evil. Now, most of the time when you're finding God in your life and wanting to know what the right thing is, how do you usually compare it? This is good, this is evil. Where have you been eating? Not, this is God, this is not. That's why, otherwise we wouldn't be able to read the book of Hebrews. And many believed God and didn't accept deliverance. Jesus prayed to him in that he feared that it could save his life and did not accept the deliverance of the cross. If it was good and bad, we wouldn't have martyrs. We wouldn't have these things being happened. We say, well, I don't see any bad in it. It's not about that. It's about, do you trust me? Have you ceased from your own labor? Your own labor is, to, oh, it's good, it's bad, I won't. Our labor is to be one that enters into the rest and says, I believe you, Father. Where else can I go? You have the words of eternal life. Lead me on to where you want me to be. The house of God, which we are, which is what? It is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Now again, the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. Here is the word of God now speaking to me, telling me what I am been born into. I have been born into in place. And that's why we pray for these children. Like I said, there's no happenstance that these children just happen to be here and you happen to be the parents and we happen to be in... God says, I place them here. And it's talking about the church is of the living God. It's the pillar and ground of the truth. Now, I want us to understand that church is not a mistake, nor is the work of God just a happenstance type of a thing. Ephesians chapter 1. I want to I lay this foundation. I've been trying to do it for weeks, and then we can, I can touch back on it. Most of you know it, but I think it's important to review because we can. things get blurry after a while. Did God really say? Well, I don't know about that, and I, you know, they need to be reaffirmed and reaffirmed. That's why it's through the foolishness of preaching that God has chosen. Because in preaching, our minds are changed. In preaching, I'm confessing something that I have to believe or be forced to, to, to believe. Okay. Ephesians chapter 1, 23. And he hath put, in 22, and he hath put all things under his feet. This is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. This, this first chapter, powerful, powerful set of uh, Scripture. But it, it, it culminates in Jesus is, is going to be Lord of all and has put all things under his feet. Talking about God has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Now, if we were to look at this from our perspective, that would be about the worst thing you could give to Jesus. Well, it's the church and there's a bunch in it. Oh, God is saying, wait a minute. When Jesus rose from the dead, I'm giving him a predominant position. And I'm telling you what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, Jesus, you are the head of my church. You are the one that is going to be directing my purpose. You are going to be the one living in my people. You are going to be the one that is going to bring glory to my name through the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. What? What? Wait a minute. The Word of God is the... I don't feel that way. I feel... Aha! You're coming to a division. You're coming... Do you want to dream the impossible dream? At least I was honest. I did it my way. Hogwash! God never says, oh, at least he was honest. He dreamt... He did it his way. He says, that's sin. But see, the problem is, that just really 
kind you are. It really is in us to, I have to be me. I've got to do what I believe is right. There is the sacrifice. It, the sacrifice to make Jesus Lord must mean I must sacrifice my own lordship of my life. The body of Christ, His church, is the fullness of Him that fills all in all. Would you look around? What do you see? Yeah. What do you see? Oh, the Word of God is dividing. Which one would you believe? By faith, I cease from my works. It is His body, the fullness that fills all in all. I have to confess that. See, I have to preach that lest my own works would come up again and say, you know, I don't... Our labor to work with Him is to exercise faith contrary to what I dream, what I believe, what I see, what I honestly feel in my heart and say, Lord, Peter, when you were young, you did what you wanted. Are you willing to put that away now? Oh, okay. You're going to have thoughts and ideas and dreams that come up Ananias and Sapphira, they had a kind of a good idea, but they had some other things that come up with it. They weren't willing to put that aside. Now, no one asked them to sell their house. It wasn't even a doctrine of the church. They just kind of wanted to do that. And, and this, is, this is the wonderful thing about God, I think, is it's, it's, it's got to be our love has got to be voluntary. The uh, revelation has got to stir within me. You can be hearing the revelation, but if you don't act on it, nobody can make you understand it, make you see it. It's got to be something that I lay down my life. I begin to preach it. I begin to take up the yoke. I take up the cross. And I'm preaching a truth that I know is ultimately going to kill me. That's why our speech and our preaching needs to be about the Word of God. And not just the Word of God, but the work to where He has called me. This is where it takes place. Because if God has created the church and has placed Jesus over the head of it, and it is His body, the fullness of Him that fills all in all, it's the church that is the pillar of truth. No, it's the pillar of truth. Wait a minute. I have to make a decision then. Do I believe the Word of God, or do I believe what I think, what I see, what I feel? Oh, there's a real sacrifice. See, to believe the Word of God and, the, and not to do it, the Bible tells that, Jane, you're, you're deceiving yourself. You're fooled. It's faith without works. It's dead. Okay, uh, Colossians. So I'm going to look at this wonderful thing called the church. And again, it's not man-made. Ecclesiastes. Do you know the book Ecclesiastes? really means church. It means jami. It's this society of God. It was way back before. The children of Israel was the church in the wilderness. It was where God wanted to dwell and to show forth His glory. See, many people like, oh, well, church, we don't have to go to church to know God. No, you need to go to church to work with Him. You need to go to church to have the Word of God discern in you. You need to go to church to sacrifice. You need to go to church because this is what God has for you. No, you don't have to. That's why I said the voluntary love of God is where we hear revelation and we begin to respond. Paul, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus whom you you, you persecute. And Paul didn't have to do any of that. It was enough for him to have the revelation. And his life voluntarily went that way. I mean, he could have been, you made me blind, I'm going to really get to church now. Anybody out there like that? Yeah, I I heard that little laughter. He said, oh, I need to cease from my own works. My works. And his work is faith. Colossians chapter 1, 13. This is again, okay. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Amen. That's a work you cannot do. That's what Jesus has done. But there is a work that God has called us to do. And that's the work that we need to follow Him. So again, the, God has imparted us righteousness in whom we have redemption through, the, through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. But now that has birthed something. 
See, Jesus didn't just forgive our sins, and God now raises Him from the dead, sets Him at His own right hand, far above all principalities and powers, above in this age and the age to come. And what is He going to do? Now that Jesus has this great power, I'm going to make Him head of the church. We think that would be like, okay, you can be the janitor. No, 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 no. Understand, if you read that first chapter of Ephesians, there's this ever-growing crescendo of glory in God to where finally it culminates. And I am, Jesus has been raised above all principalities and power. He's put all things under His feet. And now, the cherry on the top. He's head of the church. Wait a minute. I need to be looking at this a little bit differently. I need to be thinking about God's purpose a little bit differently. Oh, Not he's the janitor. Chapter, verse 24. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you. That's not one of our dreams, is it? How many people want to, you know, dream? Yeah, I think I'll come to Christ so I can suffer. Yeah, and I think who is someone, I think Adam was shared about this. See, Paul, Saul, wasn't told what great things he was going to suffer for his name's sake. God told that to another disciple. But Paul actually embraces that and actually incorporates that into his, into his message and into his life. How many people just are tired of suffering? Anybody here like that? Just tired of, you know, be, how many people here are just, have just served so much that nobody notices? Anybody here like that besides me? Nobody cares. You're right. But there is one who cares, and that's who you should be working for. Yeah, his name is Jesus. But in this world, it might go unnoticed quite a bit. Are you rejoicing in your suffering? Or are you complaining about it? How about we just draw back and we don't have to deal with it? I'm doing really good now because I don't have any suffering. Maybe God left. You know, he might have moved a little further. You might have moved a little far away from him. But Paul actually says, he actually says, the mark of my ministry, the mark that I know that I'm serving God is I'm suffering. And I'm, I'm rejoicing through the See, because he's identifying with the suffering of Christ. Remember, that I might know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His. He suffers in the church daily. Jesus is making intercession for us daily. His blood continually washes me daily. And Paul then says, I want to couple with Him. I want to know Him in the fellowship. I want a fellowship with Jesus as He suffered and has suffered. I want to arm myself with the same mind. And here by faith, just like I said this morning, I thank God for His kindness. I believe He's speaking by faith here by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and says, I rejoice in the suffering of Christ for you, because there is no higher calling than the slaver in the field that God has made and placed Jesus over it. Amen. Oh, laboring together with Him. Paul, aren't you getting a little tired of getting beat up? Are you getting tired of churches rejecting you? Are you getting tired of nobody understanding you? Paul, are you tired of being called crazy? No, I rejoice knowing that God has called me to that and Jesus already had suffered the same thing and I arm myself with that same mind and purpose. Yeah, easy to say amen here. I mean, I appreciate it. Don't, don't keep saying it. But the suffering is going to get you. It's going to sneak up on you. Yeah. It was a Star Trek movie. Not a movie at all. When Star Trek first came out. I forget what they were called, but there was these things. They went into this world. And these things would like, they looked like little gummy, gummy puddles. And they, yeah, you know, and slapped on your back. No, no, that was another one. And, and they, they'd slap on your back and they'd sap the life out of you. But there was only one thing that would kill them. You remember what that one was? Oh, you don't remember we're getting off the subject here. <laughs> here, put this on your glasses. The only thing that would kill them was intense light. So much light that those that would look at it would be blinded. You've got something on your back. It's called the old man. You need to light it up <laughs> with some good obedience. We draw back. It's, I believe it's imp almost impossible to draw back from the righteousness of God because that's imparted. It is very easy to draw back from obedience. 
All you have to do is nothing. Because the kingdom of God, in order to fulfill the kingdom of God and the word of God, I have to do something. All I have to do to be disobedient is just be yourself. Follow your dream. Figure it out yourself. Do not arm yourself with the mind of rejoicing with the suffering for his field. Where were we? I'm in Colossians, right? Colossians, good book. Colossians 3. Colossians 1. 24. Who now rejoice in my suffering for you. Are you sick of suffering for these losers? They're never changing. Bunch of dodo heads. Church isn't growing. What's the point? You had another plan. Another vision. Jesus isn't sick yet. He's not tired. He hasn't given up on you. He hasn't stopped. Hasn't taken the Holy Spirit away and said, I'm giving it to somebody else. Now, cease from your own labors. You came up with another idea. Remember, God has made some decisions about your life. Didn't ask your permission? He's got a plan for you from the foundation of the earth. Will you now labor with him to do that? Or would you like to follow your dream? Yeah, be careful. Your karma might run over your dogma. <laughs> fill up the uh, suffering for you and to fill up which is behind. He says this isn't even enough. I'm already suffering for the, for the, for the house of God. But wait, don't order yet. There's more. If you, if you sign up right now and become obedient, he'll send you some more suffering. And he says, I want to make sure I don't just have a banana split. I want one with whipped cream and cherries on top. I want to make up for that which is still lacking in the suffering in the body. Because without suffering, there is no ceasing from sin. There is no denying of self. When I choose to say, you know, I choose to believe the Word of God, I choose to sacrifice, I consciously put away my dream. I consciously put away my will. It doesn't just... There's this one song... And the thing, it's a good one. The things of earth, even, you can see yourself playing, will grow strangely dim. They don't. They actually start tugging. Moses said, they don't look strangely dim. They look pretty good. I reject them. Jesus, look out! Do you see all the glories of the world and the riches of the world? No, I don't see him. God's protecting me. He saw them and rejected them, thinking that the suffering for God's will was worth more than all the pleasures of sin. Oh, they don't grow dim. They grow brighter. But your faith grows stronger. I don't want those things. I don't want my life. That which is lacking. Because there's some people who aren't suffering. You might have to, you know, take on a little more. That which is a, a, to, and to fill up that which which is behind of the afflictions afflictions of Christ in my flesh for what for what sake? See again, we're just so twisted. We think we're going to do it, and we're going to get something out of it. Well, you know, how many people have been good enough now? You should already be an apostle of the third degree. You should be walking on water. God doesn't seem to work like that. I want to make up for the whose sake. This wonderful thing called by, in created by God. And Jesus put the head to, to be over it. And the Holy Spirit living. I want to make sure for the church's sake. Oh, that's a different mindset. You will get nothing out of it. Let's just start. I mean, I'm, I'm being facetious. You will get more because God promises me that I'm going to receive. But there's going to come times the devil's going to say, ah, ha, ha, you dummy, look what you could have had. You could have been doing this. You could have been a hobo for Jesus. You could have been this. You don't have to. You could have been married too. You could have gone. You, you see all the kingdoms of the world? Yeah, they mean nothing to me. Get lost. I want to serve, I want to serve Jesus. I'd rather live in a cardboard shack and know Jesus than have all the riches and money untold. You ever know that song? I don't know it real well either. You know it, right? That's a good song. Yeah. Now, I think, you know, I mean, we're blessed. You know, oh, he's always talking about suffering. 
I don't see anybody out there suffering. Not in the sense of, oh man, you know. How many people have a car? Anybody have a car? Cell phone? Computer? How many people didn't go without food? I heard this thing to, on, on, on the news the other day. You know, you know America, we've got there's, there's 20 million people that live under the poverty line in America. The guy said, wait a minute, you have to define that. To live under the most, all, almost, he said 90% of the people that live in the poverty line of America have a home, have a computer, have a cell phone, have all this, have that, have that, have DVRs, have a car. Oh, now when we talk about the poor of the world, this person just starved to death. Oh, there's poor. Would you please define that? He only made $60,000 a year. Oh, I feel sorry for him. I feel sorry for him. Oh, my goodness. What? No, 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 no. But that's, you know, they're suffering in that way. But the suffering that Paul is talking about, the Holy Spirit is talking about, is laying down your life for his purpose. Make up the suffering the sake of his body, which is his church. Wherefore I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Where is the word of God going to be fulfilled? Right here. Why well, I... I can serve my God better by myself than at church. I don't have near as many problems as when I don't go to church. Jesus had very few problems. I mean, he had that one time he kind of, you know, kind of ran away from home, didn't really run away from home, but he got lost. After that, you don't hear of Jesus for about 20 years until he starts to enter into the work of God, the service of God. And then he was a man acquainted with sorrows, and the, Jesus, and the devil comes to tempt him and say, yeah, what about this? What about that? What about... He didn't know any trouble. If your idea of life is not to have any trouble, first off, you're going to be really disillusioned. And God's going to have a way of meeting you along the way. But our, our life is not supposed to be just trouble-free. Paul says, that's actually what I'm looking for because I'm fixing some stuff. I'm working with God. Or, okay... Wherefore, I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for, to fulfill his word. Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and generations, which is made, now made manifest, manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. And I look like... I didn't ask you what it looked like. I asked you, is he both Lord and Christ? Will you allow this to take place here? Now... The concept of his body working and him working in his body. He's the head of the church. And this idea, see, Jesus became obedient even to the point of death. Now, I want to I look up something here. I don't know if I can find it. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians. Maybe there'll be something there. I want to get to a point. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It says Jesus, when he was obedient, he became obedient through the things that he suffered. And after doing so, he became the author of eternal salvation. There was a work in which Christ had to fulfill in, in his life in order to fulfill God's purpose. That is a, and we say Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the, or, the, the, the example. He's the one, let this mind be in you. That same example then needs to be in me. See, it's very easy to just disallow the work of God and not become obedient and therefore not fulfill God's purpose. But we could still somewhat have an idea of knowing him. But we're not being used of him. We're not being changed. We're not being challenged. We're not serving the church. We're not working in the field. So Jesus had to then arm himself with obedience. Arm himself with obedience and therefore exercised faith. Even so much that he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, even to the point that it seemed like him. God would, he said, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
He became sin. Well, I don't have that. Will you trust me even though I slay you? Job. Oh. Well, I have to arm myself with a, with a starting point. And the starting point is we have a purpose and it's God's purpose and that he would be glorified and his purpose is to be workers together in the field. Now, now, uh, 1 Corinthians. This is where the work... James talks about without works, it's impossible to please God. Without works, there's no exercise of faith. In my obedience, in the call of God, I walk with him and I become a preacher of righteousness. See, without that obedience walk with God, it's empty. James says it's just empty. It's dead. We actually deceive ourselves. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Now I beseech you, brethren, I beg you, brethren, hear me, he says. I'm writing to you. I have something I need to inform you again. I want you to arm yourself with this mind. I want you to put this on as the Word of God now speaking to you and dividing in you. There's going to come things that are going to want to divide you. And the only... Now, remember, contention only comes by... Division will only come by pride. Well, I see it this way. I see it that way. Hogwash! The only reason you see it that way is you're thinking contrary to God and whether you're right or wrong, it has no bearing on it. God wants to do something. Will you follow His purpose? Or do you see it as good or evil? You've been eating from the tree. As soon as we eat from the tree, God even looks evil. I beseech you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a very strong admonishment. He's invoking the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, which the Bible says you don't do that lightly and you don't use it in vain. You will not be guiltless. That you all speak the same thing. Ah. But I don't believe. You must. I mean, you don't have to. You know God will not force you. But at that point, it's like, oh, wait a minute. I don't agree with that. I don't see it that... I have now come up with my own plan. I see it differently. I don't see the church as God's plan. I see it... Well, wait a minute. He's saying, and what he goes on to say here is that's wrong. That's division, and that's carnal. Now, I think they might have had very good arguments. Well, I see it this way, and I see it this way. Let me tell you how it is. Oh, that's very good. Put it aside. This is the way that it's going to be. Do you love me, Peter? Or would you like to go fishing? Do you love me, Noah? Or would you like to... Let there be no divisions among you. Speak the same thing. I have to work at letting there be no divisions. It doesn't just happen. It comes through. Jesus came to the garden. He had to pray and say, Lord, your will be done. Lord, let me. I have to work at being one with my Father. But that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and same judgment. That's a sacrifice. What else could you sacrifice except your opinions? What is more valuable to you than you being, I told them off. Boy, I showed them a thing or two. Well, you showed them nothing and nobody really cares. Are you the Lord of your life or is Jesus? Did you do what he said? Divisions. We think it's something good to have divisions. God says, no, put that aside. Think the same way. Divisions come into the kingdom of God as we walk and do the work of God. Remember, God is the creator. God creates the field. Jesus was sent to earth as the Son of God, but in the work became the author of everlasting salvation. In his obedience, he fulfilled the will of God. Nehemiah there was no division in the people until they began to work. And then there was garbage here, and there was this problem, and there was this problem, and everybody, oh, the, there, was, there was brothers actually abusing the situation. Rich people sending their money out to fies, uh, usury. And they had to deal with that. Divisions creep up. And there, you know why divisions creep up? So you can come into one mind. But what brought them into one mind? Not the, not the Lord. The work that God had called them to, they saw as a place of suffering to fulfill God's purpose. They said, this is more important than my own life. 
We will sleep on the wall. We will pick up garbage. Now, God never tells Nehemiah to pick up garbage. Now, very, I don't know, well, I don't, I'm running out of time. We'll start, Noah's very good. Now, Noah was given a general plan by God. Pretty general. The, 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 the ark needed to be so big, by so wide, by so tall. I think he had the turret on the outside and the inside. I think there was one window in it and build a door. Three-story. Pretty, pretty simple. Only took a... What time did they come to work? What time was lunch? Did they work on Saturday? How long did they work? God said, I'm not doing that. Adam, you dress the garden. Work starts tomorrow at 6 o'clock. What immediately just creeped in? Division. The Word of God always brings... And now the Hebrew says, it divides. Well, I don't want to get up at 6. I'm a late sleeper. Get over it! You've been called to the work. Why well, I don't want to get over it. Well, I've never... I have never eaten anything unclean. I just... The moral objection. Oh, we're so pious. God doesn't look at you with piety. He looks at you with filthy rags in your piety. He says, all your righteousness, please put that away because it stinks. But oh, unto that man that says, oh God, I am a sinner. That man goes away forgiven. Well, I don't see it that way. I don't want to be... A, I've never eaten anything unclean. We won't do it. God says, do it. Just because you're indignantly righteous and have a real, real strong feeling doesn't mean that you're supposed to do that. It's six o'clock. Not good enough just to be part of the work, show up when you want, go when you want. There's a direction in the work. And it's in the work that overtakes me and in my obedience that my mind is changed. See, that my obedience becomes fulfilled in seeing that God's purpose here on earth, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Noah, build the ark. I give this into your hand. And he goes on Nehemiah, the same thing. He doesn't tell him to pick up trash. doesn't tell him how to deal with enemy. He makes that call, and they rally to it and says they fulfilled the work because they had a mind to work. There was no divisions among them. There was division. They put them aside. We know, I'm not called to pick up trash. I just don't see it that way. I don't like to. I, I've never eaten. I don't like it. That's just someone's opinion. What foolishness. What? Is there divisions among you? That shouldn't be. Jesus, all the way that we see of the Lord, will you fulfill my work? We see his obedience birthing the church. And now that same example needs to work in us. And, and so the church is God's keystone. It's God's purpose for this age. It's where Jesus lives. It's, he's the head of the church. And he's given directions as the word of God is directed that in the church there be apostles, po- prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, leaders in the work that direct the work. For what reason? So there would be no divisions. But divisions come when I lean to my own understanding and I don't see it as something God has directed because most of the things that after the work is established Noah you don't hear from God for quite a while at least that makes it very clear doesn't be Noah had to make some decisions as the apostle or wise master builder we start at six this is what we're going to have for lunch make sure you bring your own lunch we're not going to McDonald's we're doing this and that you know make sure your kids are here if that's the work that God has called me to see I cannot just accept See, if they just would accept God's plan but not enter into the work, not going to work. There has to be faith with works produces obedience, which means love. And it changes me to where, oh, I have the same mind. Or do I see Jim Durkin as some overweight guy, just kind of a weird guy. I don't know why we have to work in a donut shop anymore. I don't have to cut my hair. And who does he think he is? And I don't have to. Or do I say, oh, God. This is where you've called me. I adapt myself to. Oh, I've called to. Then I have the same mind. See, how would it be if you just don't have the same mind? Could you imagine? Well, if you 
Show us the Father. Well, there he is over there, but I don't see it exactly the way he does. I mean, I really like God, and he's really good. Um, and it, most of his stuff is good, but this going to the cross stuff, I don't really think I really need to do that. And, uh, boy, these 12, and you know, one of them's a devil, and I don't think I want to pick him. Um, but generally, I love God. But the church, you see, it's the church. And well, some of the decisions they make. Well, you see, I, I really want to save the world, but getting up at 6 o'clock, I don't know, you know, I know he's just, he's, he, that's just his personality. What arrogance to think we know better than God and his plan. Amen? Lord Jesus, help us. Come, Holy Spirit, and speak to us, and let us be, take, rejoice in the sacrifice for your great kindness towards us. Amen. Now, those that are going to be helping Pat with the Mother's Day thing, do a good job. I'm really looking forward to that. Hallelujah. That's going to be fun. Amen. We're dismissed.